Hey, it's Madison, the Black Eagle, and here's a highlight from today's show. The only way we can secure a woman's right to choose the balance that existed is for Congress to restore the protections of Roe v. Wade as federal law. No executive action from the president can do that. And if Congress, as it appears, lacks the vote to vote to do that now, voters need to make their voices heard. This fall, we must elect more senators and representatives who will codify women's right to choose into federal law once again. Elect more state leaders to protect this right at the local level. We need to restore the protections of Roe as law of the land. We need to elect officials who will do that. This fall, Roe is on the ballot. And so I asked my guest, Karen Finney, I assume you totally, uh, that would be a safe assumption. <laughs> Good morning. Good morning, Joe. Yes. My, you, a, I agree with the president. Yeah, because that yes. was going to be my first question to you. Karen Finney is with us, Democratic strategist, CNN commentator. Um, it, it, my first question was, what's next then? What do we do next? Well, what we've got to do is... <laughs> Joe, I you know, I gotta say it, it's what we always do. We gotta mobilize, we gotta organize, we've got to make our voices heard at the ballot box because let's be clear, we this Supreme Court, this court is not gonna protect our rights. They've made that very clear. I mean they made that clear. Let's you know, we just have the anniversary of the decision of Shelby Holder versus you know, the Shelby County decision where John Roberts got at the Voting Rights Act. So, you know, and now we're seeing taking away, and I think it's important, Joe, folks, that, that we, we talk about this. It is about the constitutional right to uh, an access, access abortion, but it's a fundamental right for women to control our bodies. And what is on the ballot is whether or not in our democracy we believe that women have the same equal rights as men when it comes to making our own personal, private, medical decisions. That's part of what we have to understand. So we've got to mobilize. We have got to understand that, you know, we're going to see a couple of things. Number one, it's about electing candidates uh, who support Roe v. Wade and will vote to codify Roe v. Wade. But it's all, and that, and I mean that not just at the federal level, but state legislative races are critically important because if we look at some of the most horrible restrictive state measures that are criminalizing women and doctors, look at what happened in Texas where they codified, you know, vigilantism for heaven's sakes, that was passed by a a Republican controlled legislature. So we've got to understand, we've got to vote in all these races and understand who's going to protect our rights. Karen, would you help educate people? Because, and here's what I reason I bring this up. I know what you mean and what the president means. People yeah. might be confused, and that is how if the Supreme Court has spoken on this issue, how can the federal government, in essence, undo what the Supreme Court did? Well, sure, I'm happy to. 
So what the Supreme Court said was that Roe v. Wade, essentially that the underpinnings, the legal arguments of Roe v. Wade were uh, unconstitutional, basically. So what they, what Alito said, he said a lot of things that were disturbing, was that there's no, there is no right. There was no, this it's not enumerated in the Constitution, that the legal reasoning is flawed, and therefore they find, there is, you know, they overturn Roe v. Wade. All right. But the federal government can still say, it is, in, it is in the interest of the federal government to protect the rights of every American and to pass a law that says women have a federal right to access an abortion, to make her own decisions about her health care and her body. Um, and so we would need to pass. There was, there was legislation that's currently in the Senate called the Women's Health Protection Act. It would have what we we say codified, meaning it creates federal law. law. Right. Yep. You know, they tried to pass it. Not surprisingly, the Republicans voted against it. Uh, Even Susan Collins voted against it. Um, And so the point the president was making is we can enact federal law that would supersede the state law. Uh, and if, but we only can do it if we have enough votes to get it done. All right. And that's why we've got to elect more Democrats. So, in other words, Supreme Court says that it, Roe versus Wade wasn't in it, it wasn't in the Constitution. There's no concept of abortion. So, therefore, uh, in essence, the, the the House and the Senate and the President would sign it in essence, mm-hmm. can create a law. Now, that doesn't mean the other side wouldn't take it back to the Supreme Court, I assume. Sure, they, they can try, uh, and they'll try. And look, they, but, but, they'll but, the, but Congress, would, ha- in essence, would have the right to do it. Correct. Okay. And once it becomes you know, federal law, uh, it's, it's part that then federal law uh, would supersede. Supersede and, state law. And here, but here's the other thing, Joe, that I think is real important for folks to understand. The other thing that could happen, depending upon the outcome of the 2022 election, Mitch McConnell, who is the Republican Senate leader, and the other Senate Republican senators have said they're also considering doing what would be the opposite, which is passing a federal, a full ban on abortion. And what that would mean is um, even in the states like California or New York or Illinois, where you have Democratic governors, where the right to access abortion is still legal under state law, because that's the other thing we have to remember, is that essentially what the Supreme Court said was, well, take it back to the states, let the states decide. So that's why, again, if we had a federal law that would supersede the state law, but we're but you've also got Republicans who are saying maybe we'll pass a federal law that bans it outright everywhere. Mm-hmm. And that's really the next, that's where they're headed. I mean, let, let's just yeah. be, be honest. Well, now, in reference to that, what do you make of Uncle Clarence 
Uh, mm. And his comment uh, that, mm. you know, that uh, maybe we ought to look at some of these other rights, like mm-hmm. same-sex marriage. I mean, I mean, look, you're a young woman, and and I mean, for a woman to uh, to, for, to say, well, maybe the Supreme Court ought to rule whether a woman should have birth control pills or a couple. I, con- I mean, this is unheard of. It's outrageous. I mean, Joe, it's outrageous. It's outrageous. I mean, think about this. You know, I was five years old when Roe v. Wade passed. I'm about to be 55. I know women don't usually tell their age, but I'm not ashamed. That means that. That's because you look 25, but go ahead. Thank you, Joe. But that means that for 50 years of my life, I had a right that was taken away on Friday. We've never had that happen in this country. I mean, and the other part of this, let's just go out. We'll talk about Uncle, you know, what Clarence Thomas said, Uncle Clarence talked about. But let's also talk about what, um, you know, in the decision, I mean, if you say you're going to go out, they talked about originalism, right, going back to the original text of the Constitution. Well, there's a lot that was in the original text that women weren't mentioned at all. Black men were three-fifths of a human for the purposes of, you know, slavery. I mean, there was so much in the way that was written that was very disturbing. And, yes, then Clarence Thomas writes his own decision to say we should reconsider other decisions that were based on privacy, like contraception right like marriage equality and i'll tell you the one he he didn't mention that i thought was you know very telling loving the virginia i mentioned mentioned that in the last hour so yeah and and and, and and by the way that wasn't an oversight that no 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 it was not but I, but I, but you're right to mention, and this, and it's part of why we have to have this conversation because, I mean, you know, this is extremism on the part of the Republicans, and when we, and this court, I mean, remember how we got here, right? Extreme Republican politicians, the things that Mitch McConnell did to keep you know judicial posts uh, open so that Trump could appoint many many conservative judges. And we get all the we have this super majority of conservative judges on the Supreme Court, and so we should not kid ourselves to think that they won't come after things like contraception and marriage equality. And by the way, by saying that, Clarence Thomas, you know, kind of signaled to anyone who wants to try to bring a case to the court to do so. Yep. To do so. Right. It's coming. And so that's part of why, again, just going back to what the president said, the way we fight back is with our vote. They said, hey, pick it back to the states and let people vote. So we've got to vote and we've got to elect more Democrats. We've got to hold on to the House and the Senate. And we've got to increase our margin in the Senate to make sure we can do these things and protect women and you know joe black and brown and low-income women are going to be the ones who are the most harmed why is that 
many reasons. Number one, if you look at the states where these most restrictive laws are passed, they are southern states where we have a high proportion of, of black folks is where we live. Uh, also because we are, we are women who you know, already have uh, challenges accessing quality, affordable health care. So we have, I mean, we have a, we're living in a country in America where maternal mortality rates are high, are incredibly high for everybody, but for black and brown women, three to four times. So, in, in, so for, uh, for black and brown women, when we're making a decision whether to you know, carry a pregnancy to term, it's about our health. It's, uh, it's about whether or not we can, you know, afford to have more children. Um, and so because we're, we happen to live in the places where some of the worst laws are, are being passed, like having to prove if you have a miscarriage, for example, criminalizing women, criminalizing doctors, um, and places where they may not make exceptions for the health or well-being of the mother. We tend to live in those states where those laws are the harshest. And so we're going to be black women are going to, uh, again, and we, you know, the other way to think about this too, Joe, Alito said go vote. We also live in states where they're trying to take away our vote yeah. and make it harder for us to vote. Let me ask this point, uh, Karen Finney is with us, and and, and that is, because of this decision, it, it, it seems to me we might see the return of what we used to refer to as backroom abortions uh, mm-hmm. years and years ago. Is that a possibility, particularly in poor communities? It, it, it certainly could be. Um, you know, what, what, two things that the president did that were so important um, on – in, in immediately on Friday. Number one, there's you know, medication abortion, mifepristone, which can be prescribed by a doctor. You can actually order it on, get it online and have it mailed to you. One of the things the president said, you can't stop the federal mail. <laughs> there are some states that are trying to say, well, they're trying to block, they're trying to figure out ways to block it. So there will, so that should be a way, medication abortion could be a way to, pre- to prevent that from happening and protect women. Also, there are a number of funds that are be- raising money right now to help women. And if you go to um, Planned Parenthood, you can find out about where, where these funds are to help women who might need to travel out of state to, to, to have a, an abortion safely. So there, we're, you know, as a community, people are rallying to try to protect women's health, protect women's rights, um, because we've got to be concerned both for our health uh, as patients, as women, but also legally we're going to, you know, we're going to fight. We've got to elect more Democrats in November. And actually you can go to defendchoice.org and uh, learn more about how to get involved in your community as I say, you can go to Planned Parenthood to learn more about what's going on in terms of resources for women in your community, healthcare resources, because we've just got to protect women's lives and our rights. 
I thought, Karen, that they wouldn't dare. <laughs> I shouldn't have. I, I say that only for the <laughs> sake of conversation. Um, go, come after the civil after civil rights. Now the re, but but then it was a senator from uh, Texas, Cornyn, uh, if I'm correct in what I heard, said, "Oh, we might now want to look at Brown versus Board of Education." Yeah, he apparently on a uh, on a, a tweet he said, um, "Now do Plessy v. Ferguson yes. and Brown versus Board of Education." Uh, and I'll have to tell you, I you know, and he said it in response to something President Obama said. He, oh, President Obama had tweeted saying, making the point that the Supreme Court not only reversed 50 years of precedent, it relegated the most intensely personal decision someone can make to the whims of politicians and ideologues. And that's an important point here. Essentially what the court is saying and what's happening now is politicians are going to make our most personal private health decisions. Each woman has her own, you know, we all have our own circumstances medically. Anyway, back to your point. So, yes, and then he, the, the quote that from Cornyn said, now do Plessy v. Ferguson, Brown versus Board of Education. I mean, it's hard to understand what he meant by that other than to take it as, he, he was was he suggesting we go back and overturn those decisions, or and and they would in essence be part of state rights because that's how these decisions came to the Supreme Court. Um, these are state uh, Brown versus Board, Kansas, uh, South right. Carolina. These were state issues that uh, that had to be overturned because they were segregating. Um, uh, educational opportunities in each of these states. This is, uh, yeah. I mean, we are, I, I, I well, I, you know, I, I got to get you back on. Um, uh, anytime. I, you, I, you know it. Yeah. And, and I, I, I tell you, I don't, we just now, it's all about voter education. And as you That's pointed right. out initially when we started, we have got to mobilize. We, this is about organizing and mobilizing in a way that I, in my lifetime, I, I, I haven't seen the necessity except during the civil rights movement. But we're on that, we're on that path. That's where we are right now. We, we, we sure are, Joe. Yeah. I mean, our fundamental rights yeah. are, are at stake. And we have to understand our power in our votes. And we have to understand that that's, I mean, the decision on Friday should remind every American what is at stake in this election. Fundamental, basic human rights in a decision that said women do not have the same rights to their own bodies. And men here. They took yeah. and men. They took that away from us on yeah. Friday. Now, one final question, and that is this debate going on within the Democratic Party. Uh, and that is expanding the Supreme mm -hmm. Court. Now, I, in essence, said, look, we can have the debate. I guess my point is that I was talking about earlier is this is not the time to have that debate. Um, I, I don't think we should be bogged down on whether or not it should be expanded between now and 
what we have to do in November. I'm just interested in your position. Well, look, I think there's two parts to this, right, Joe? I mean, the decision on Friday and certainly Clarence Thomas's comments undermines the legitimacy of the court. And by the way, also the decision on guns the day before. I yeah, mean, and I have about a back. minute and a half left, yes. Sorry, real quick. Back-to-back decisions that essentially go against up to 80% of the Amer- where the American people are. And so the legitimacy of the court is at question here. And so I think that's why you're going to hear people raising the question about court expansion and having the conversation to say, this court is not reflective of America. And what are our options? What can we do about it? And, and court expansion is one of the options. And I certainly think it's going to be a topic of conversation throughout the election um, because some people see that as a remedy. Have you taken a position on it? Person, I am personally for uh, expanding the court because I am in part because of the way we got here, which was, you know, the Republicans, again, distorted the, the rules to, and bended the rules to their own um, will. And, if, and, we, and there, so we've got to restore some balance in the court uh, and hold a, a court that's accountable to the American people. All right. Karen Finney, we'll talk again. Thank you for joining us here. On, on All right, Joe. Anytime. You take care. You too, now. Be careful. Look, I got to tell you, and, and uh, Dean Odala is on, and Obadala, let me, let me tell you, Dean Obadala, let me tell you something. Um, this is a confession. I'm up 3 4 o'clock every morning, try to get into the car, headed to the studio. Uh, you know, in the five o'clock hour here on the East Coast. And mm-hmm. I I am listening to your show and your guest. And I got to tell you, by the time I hit the parking lot, I'm so pissed off <laughs> <laughs> and fired up, man. Uh, and, um, and I and, to, and and it's been the last couple of days. And, and I. I, you know, I, I've come in sometimes ready to go, got an outline. I know where I want to go. And then I hear you and your guests and some of your callers. And I, I come up, I got, I, I have a whole different attitude, a whole different approach. And I just want to say that, that I am so glad that you're out there and that you have the uh, platform. But I thought about you this morning when the Supreme Court ruled uh, for this uh, coach being able to go out in the middle of a football field and, 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 and you know, and do his prayer. And I said to my uh, audience this morning, I wonder what would happen if a group of Muslims went out on the 50-yard line and faced Mecca and started praying to Allah. What would be the reaction uh, at the same time? First of all, good morning, and thanks for coming on at the last minute. Sure. Thanks for having me on. I'm glad you're feeling better and everything. And, and I'm honored that you listen to my show and, and like uh, what we do. And, and yes, I am. I'm generally angry. <laughs> you know, I think it's my half Sicilian part of me. My I, my I go from zero to angry in like five seconds based on injustice and what we're seeing now. And of course, a double standard, Joe, if Muslims want to take a knee after a football game on the 50 yard line or on 
the pitcher's mound after every high school public baseball game to pray, I don't think the people on the right who are cheering that coach would be cheering us. This is the same Republican Party that Donald Trump, their leader in 2015, called for a total complete shutdown on Muslims coming to the country. So we don't have to speculate how they think of Muslims. They, they're not the biggest fans of us. So, yes, the only way they would agree with it is if they feel like they could use it for their own benefit in the long run, knowing that we're about 2% of the country. They go, oh, we'll seem nice now, but ultimately we're about Christian nationalism, which is an academic term for what they're, what they're really about. So obviously the, it would be a different reaction if that – and it's remarkable to see – Within a few days, the Supreme Court's made it clear that a man can pray on the 50-yard line of a public high school field, but a woman can't have control of her own body anywhere. This is the court we have now we're stuck with. And you, and I also heard, and, and, and I repeated it, uh, I heard one of your guests, we end up, you, you, you uh, tell a state like New York that uh, we can't protect you from gun violence, because somebody, mm-hmm. anybody can have a concealed weapon, uh, but yet we can protect a fetus, unborn fetus. Yep. And because, Joe, what you're looking at, it, you're trying to find a legal consistency. We naturally do that. I'm a lawyer. We all try to do that. Let me tell everyone, as a lawyer, the truth here. These are not legally justified cases. These are political opinions. The Supreme Court now is six to three, controlled by the GOP is no longer the Supreme Court as we knew it and grew up with it. It is now an arm of the Republican Party, and it must be viewed as such, meaning we, like we try to defeat the Republican Party in elections, have to defeat the Supreme Court with every means possible, any means possible that's legal, expanding the Supreme Court, having hearings about why some of these justices appeared to lie about their views on Roe v. Wade. I I think we must look at it through the prism of it being just a political body, not a legal body anymore, it's truly unfortunate for our nation because it undermines what the checks and balances were supposed to be, that you had this Supreme Court that was above politics. Now, like you said, in the same week, one day they say, oh, no, states' laws on guns, we're striking it down. But when it comes to abortion, states' rights. And you go, that doesn't seem consistent because you're looking for a legal consistency. There is none. It is, there are both political decisions. We know where the Supreme Court's going on everything now. Just based on where is the GOP? That's where the Supreme Court's going. There's not a, you can legally justify anything you want. You can find this is the world we live in. And, and the reality is there was a time when the Supreme Court justices really tried to be above that and not deliver political opinions. And now they're delivering political opinions because it's 6-3. Now it's an extremist court. It's unlike anything we've seen. Uh, Dean, let me, as a lawyer, uh, let me uh, uh, deal with that aspect of your career. Um, somebody called and said, can Supreme Court justices be convicted of perjury? It, uh, and, and, and they're going back to Susan Collins and Joe Manchin saying, oh, we were, they, they lied to us. Absolutely. Anybody can convicted of perjury. The only person who is above the law is named Donald Trump. But besides that, the Supreme Court justices uh, can be impeached. They can be removed. They can be prosecuted for lying under oath. There's no difference. To prove lying under oath, though, you know, when you watch Amy Coney Barrett, she really was more straightforward than the others in that she said it's not super precedent. Speaking of Roe, the others played games to actually prosecute them. To convict them, it can be challenging, but it can be done. But AOC was on the Sunday morning show on Sunday saying 
She believes the House Judiciary Committee should have hearings about whether they lied, and even if it's not to impeach them, but to make it clear that we're not going to tolerate this and that we're going to have hearings and to send a message to future justices and judges nominated that if you lie, we're going to impeach you and remove you if we can do that, if we have the political will to do that. So I think AOC is on the right path. I, I think the idea of Democrats playing like the old Democrats where, well, we'll see if it gets along and, you know, let's just vote and everything will work out. No, this is not the world we're in. We need fighters. We need people who are going to fight and use every legal means possible, available to fight this Republican Party, which is, as I tweet daily, Joe, is a white nationalist fascist movement that wants to impose their religion as the law of the land. I've been tweeting that for a year, year and a half. And at first people are like, you're over the top. Now people are like, oh, wow, you're on to something. I can see it. History is screaming at us. We're facing a really dangerous movement that is not going to stop Joe until they control every aspect of our life. Look at states like Florida and Texas where they control it. Those are laboratories for what they want to do nationally. Everything, banning books, banning black history being taught in school, banning the transgender community from living their life, to banning abortion, overturning marriage equality, to making it harder to vote if you don't support them. The list goes on and on. Just look at what they're doing in Florida and Texas. And people like DeSantis and Florida, I call Florida now DeSantis, Stan. It's not even an American state after what he's done to it. And Greg Abbott in Texas, they're going to run for president in 2024. And they want to turn that vision to America. They, they want to oppress all of us. They're coming for all of us, Joe. That's the truth. I made the uh, statement on my show, get your response, that Clarence Thomas, two things. One, he was signaling uh, lawyers, judges, other pe- and, and people in the legal community, get your cases together. Uh, and and because people should know, the average person out here should know. You just don't show up at the Supreme Court. You have to, you have to. The cases have to go through the lower court. I think what he did obviously was deliberate, uh, mm-hmm. and he obviously left out uh, interracial marriage as one of those yep. issues there, and and that wasn't a coincidence because uh, that would have been a boomerang that would have slammed in him in the head. Uh, but but I, I think he unless was, he wants to get unless he wants a divorce, Joe. Maybe he yeah, could have. Well, said, now I, I, I hadn't thought about that. <laughs> I thought, but he wanted to be single again. Yeah, so we uh, should ban this. Uh, but he. Uh, but the other, the uh, the so the issue, and I said this that I, I I think that Clarence Thomas is as dangerous, if not more so, than Roger Tanney was. In the 19th century. Mm-hmm. Now, and again, and, I wanted my audience to look at Roger Tanney uh, and, and the cases that he dealt with. I'd just like to get your opinion about that sure. statement. I think that's such a great point, Joe, you make. And I think you were talking about history before I came on. You have to look at history. You have to look at Dred Scott decision, which right. the racist Justice Tanney wrote. But our Supreme Court in the early years was horrific. You had Dred Scott decision. You had Plessy versus Ferguson, which upheld legalized Jim Crow laws. You even had a Supreme Court decision upholding laws that made it a crime for black and white people to get married. And then we hit the 50s, and the Supreme Court evolved. And you had 1954, the famous Brown versus Board of Education case. And it went from there. Loving versus Virginia, 1967, as you talked about, that made it unconstitutional laws that made it a crime for people of different races to get married. You had Roe v. Wade. You had Griswold versus Connecticut in 1965 recognizing a, a constitutional right to have birth control, to control your own body 
And going forward to cases like Obergefell, which is the marriage equality case, our Supreme Court has moved forward. It has progressed. This decision is a huge step backwards. It's regressive. It is literally the first time in our history the Supreme Court has taken away a constitutional right that they had recognized. And people understand the right to abortion, the way the Supreme Court wrote it, it was a constitutional right, no different than the right to have a gun or the right to free speech. It was a constitutional right. It just was not enumerated or spelled out in the actual Constitution saying you have a right to an abortion. But they recognized it as such. And for them to take it away means every right is at risk. And Clarence Thomas writing is in concurring opinion that we should now look at Griswold versus Connecticut, which is the case that from 65 that says you have a constitutional right to have birth control. And other areas like marriage equality and another case, Lawrence versus Texas, which 2006 said made it unconstitutional to have laws that criminalize being gay, anti-sodomy laws. Look at all of that. He is signaling. He is a thought leader on the right. He is telling the younger conservative activists and the judges out there and lawyers, don't give up. This is step one. We've done an unthinkable thing. We've taken away a constitutional right. Now that we've done this, there's no more limits because no court's done this. We've broken this glass ceiling. So next, we, of course they're coming for marriage equality. Of course they want to make it illegal for birth control. Of, of course they want to do everything that is consistent with their views because it's – I always say this on my show, Joe. The, the core beliefs of the GOP never change. Only their tactics do. Do you think they've given up? Do you think they don't believe marriage equality is an abomination like they did pre-2015? Of course they do. They've fought against Roe v. Wade for since 1973, and now they've won. They're emboldened. They have a 6-3 Supreme Court. And, and you know, Joe, they, I think you look really at 2013 was the beginning. It was only 5-4. That's when they gutted the Voting Rights Act. And while they left it on paper, they gutted the preclearance part, as we've talked about, and I'm sure you've talked about it countless times. That was the beginning of chipping away at a vehicle to ensure people have a right, that the right to vote, especially people of color and African-Americans. And now we've taken a huge step backwards, and they're coming for us. And people understand, Joe, I say this because it's the truth, and I hate to even use the word Christian nationalism because I don't mean any disrespect to my Christian brothers and sisters, but that's the academic term. They believe, and they've said it, Santorum, Huckabee. They believe America was founded as a Christian nation, mm -hmm. and they believe our laws should comport, is the term they use, or agree with the Bible, and that all of our laws should punish and prohibit things that don't agree with the Bible and allow things that, in their view, agree with their religious views. That's what this is happening. This is religious tyranny. This is religious supremacy. I think for being a woman today in America in a blue state, you might feel like, well, I have my rights. You do, but I would analogize it to Women living in Kabul, Afghanistan, before the Taliban took control, they had rights. They had it for decades, but they watched the Taliban slowly take parts of the country. And then finally they took Kabul and took away their rights based on religion. The, the point is the religious fundamentalists, they never stop. This is what they have. Yeah. They sincerely believe in this, yeah. and they don't care, Joe. They're not going to stop. Yeah, and, and that was the early part of our of this country's history, and we had to evolve out of it. Finally, two, two, two uh, more questions. One, sure. um, and, 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 and this one is, what do you expect and, 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 uh, from today's hearing? Uh, people uh, may not know this. Uh, I hope many of our listeners do that there, there's going to be a hearing today. Mm -hmm. uh, caught some people by surprise. What, what, 
what do you hope will come out? Why do you think they decided to have a hearing? And then the second to piggyback, uh, Dean, is, is I, 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 I am death. I am, and this is what gets me riled up in the morning when sometimes when I'm listening. The, the, the Democratic leadership, I'm sorry, but they just got to grab, they, they got to grow a pair. Uh, I'm tired of this sophisticated, um, inside the beltway kind of discussion that they have with media. Um, and so let me have you respond finally to those two questions. So the last point is something my listeners, and I know your listeners have heard it, the frustration we have with democratic messaging and passion and urgency like, where is the fierce urgency of now from our Democratic leaders? And at least champion things. If you can't succeed at it, at least fight and tell us what you're going to do, such as you're going to commit to expand the Supreme Court. We can't live under rule like this. Joe, my life, for your life, for most of your listeners' lives, if we don't expand the Supreme Court, we will live under a conservative Supreme Court that's going to strike down laws that they don't agree with politically and religiously. That's the world we're going to live in. We can't do it. So. We need Democrats to put everything on the field and fight, fight, fight. We need fighters, not people who just want to get along. Or I don't want to say things that are somehow going to make people uncomfortable. Or the worst, because, Joe, Republicans, they make the decisions on what's going to make their base happy and excite them. Democrats make the decision on what's not going to upset the other side. I've had countless conversations with Democratic leaders. Why do you do this? Oh, that will make Republicans angry. What? Are you kidding me? Animate us. I want them to fight. I want them to talk about using – for regarding women having the right to their body, using federal property to ensure women have a right to the body. I want them to talk about conditioning federal funding on states that ensure women have equal rights. We did the same thing for making sure the highway speed limit was brought down to 55 miles an hour. We'll do the same thing with federal funding for certain programs, not all, that the states have ensure equal rights for women. I want Democrats to – Make it clear they feel the pain that women are going through and that they're coming for all of us. They have to make the – this is an existential threat, I believe. So Democrats got to fight harder. We need better messaging. We need them to be visceral in this and talk about the threat facing our nation. And then that also ties into January 6th. Donald Trump is a terrorist. The man is a criminal. He incited an act of domestic terrorism. The FBI has called January 6th an act of domestic terrorism. That doesn't happen without Donald Trump. They won't call him a terrorist. He's a terrorist. They, they should be calling for him to be prosecuted, not because it's political, because it's the right thing to do. There are people of color in jail for selling a joint on a street corner. Eric Gardner was killed for selling loose cigarettes in New York City. Tamir Rice was killed for playing with a toy gun. Donald Trump waged a coup that we all know about now behind the scenes and incited a terrorist attack on our Capitol, and he walks free. And he used the same garbage that radicalized people to attack our capital, and he celebrated. And Democrats have failed, and the media has failed, not us, but many of the corporate media, for normalizing Donald Trump like he's a normal politician. The man is a terrorist. He is a terrorist, and he should be called that. And the Democrats should call for his prosecution, because if not, we will lose our Democratic Republic to Trump or another president who does the same thing in the future and who's better at it, who's learned at it. If no one's above the law, as Merrick Garland talks about the rule of law, and underpinning that is that nobody's above it. The same rules regardless of race and wealth and power. But Donald Trump, the evidence is clear. I said as a lawyer, not as a partisan. 
has committed various crimes, mm-hmm. and Judge David Carter, a federal judge, has laid it out, obstructing right. Congress, defrauding the United States, which is a felony, to, I think, reckless endangerment of Mike Pence, tweeting while Pence is in the Capitol, knowing the attack is going on, to inciting a riot, which is a felony because it happened on federal law property there in D.C. Donald Trump should be charged, and Democrats should be calling for him to be charged, and they should have been calling from within a few days of January 6th, and now even louder. So Democrats have to be better at messaging. And I say this all the time on my show, and I say it sincerely, Joe, we can't wait for Democrats to get better. We yeah, have to be the leaders I, yeah, we've been waiting that, for. We yeah, have to be the yeah. ones doing this, all of us, not yeah. just you and me, our listeners, everyone yeah. together in one voice. Hey, you know, and Nancy Pelosi made a point, <clears throat> and I'm not always I, – I think she needs to be stronger too. But, you know, she, she, she said something once we got the um, Emmett Till anti-lynching bill passed, and she said, you know – on on Capitol Hill, we members of Congress, we maneuver. But what you guys did was you, you mobilized. And I'm with you. I'm not mm-hmm. waiting on the Democratic leadership to get its act together. You, you are absolutely right. They are going to maneuver, and that's all they're doing is maneuvering. We need to organize and mobilize comes for November 8th. Uh, Dean, real quick, your show, give them the time and sure. and date. And, and then, like I say, on the East Coast, I, I tend to, when I get in my car, uh, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm tuned in to at least that part of the show before I have to jump on the air. Go ahead. Sure, that's the replay part. But if you want to listen live, of course you can listen on demand on the app. Yeah, that's but if you want to listen live, Series XM Progress Channel 127 is the Progress Channel. I'm on 6 to 9 p.m. Eastern Time, live weeknights, and we're a progressive, progressive political show, and we take down the powers of being. We're going to keep pushing hard, and yeah. we're going to speak truth to power. I don't care who gets upset and who's uncomfortable by it. That's what the truth sounds like, and that's nice. what we're doing. Dean, good to hear from you. Thank you Thanks, for what you do. Thanks, my friend. It's an honor right. to be on your show, Joe. I appreciate it, and I learned a lot from you. And you are more than a radio host. You're an activist and an inspiration. So thank you, Joe. You can listen to yours truly, Madison, the Black Eagle, live every Monday through Friday on Sirius XM Urban View Channel 126 or anytime on the Sirius XM app.